The Stuttgart course is a course which is based on life surgery. Life surgery nowadays is tricky and in the old days I had invited famous surgeons from everywhere also to take part in the course but then I stopped because it is not so easy for them to operate. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rhinoplasty Podcast with me, Dr. Cameron McIntosh. We're in the month of May, and it's proudly brought to us by Carl Stortz Instruments. Carl Stortz has enabled us to carry on with this podcast all around the world, and it's an absolute pleasure and honor for me to invite Prof. Wolfgang Gubisch back onto the show. Prof, thank you so much for being with us. It's a great pleasure for me to come around to be with you in this podcast, and I hope we can feel, I can fulfill your expectations. <laughs> Thanks, Prof. So, Prof, kicking it off, you know, we've been really fortunate. In the last six weeks, um, we've been able to spend some time in Bergamo with, under Prof Robotti's course. We were in um, Brussels at the European Rhinoplasty course with Peter Hellings, and just this last weekend, you were at the German plastic surgery a symposium, if I understand it correctly. So that's three big courses within six weeks. And I'm going to climb... But I would have preferred to be with you in South Africa. Ah, no, no question. You missed out on the source one, but don't worry, we will be having another one very soon. So, Prof, for the listeners out there, I think it is such an important topic for us that I want to really climb in today. And this is this whole concept around preservation, rhinoplasty, dorsal preservation and a very interesting new phrase that you presented to us in Brussels a few weeks ago. So to kind of bring up to speed to the listeners, um, those of you who might never have heard of Prof Gubish, you might be living in Mars, but Prof's done more than 10,000 rhinoplasties. He's been in the game for more than 40 years and is extremely experienced. And he gave such an interesting talk two weeks ago in Brussels that I thought we could take that a little bit further and, and try and pry it out. So, Prof, maybe you want to tell us your journey with preservation rhinoplasty over the past three or four years, if I understand correctly. Well, um, originally I started with the really old-fashioned Jack Joseph technique. And then, of course, this is a technique which... Uh, damages the dorsum a lot and therefore we had all of us had problems and we changed to structural rhinoplasty and I was quite happy with that. And then about five years back suddenly dorsal preservation came up. But it was it was something special because it was promoted by some people as a unique easy technique which works almost in all cases which makes it easy you can avoid any uh, revisions specifically with rib cartilage and so I was interested but at that time I had already retired and I worked only in a, in a limited time so I was not able to do too many cases and my experience is limited. I did around 30 cases but I followed extensively the discussion about this technique and it's not a technique it's mainly a philosophy. And when you go to this, then the first thing you are wondering is, it's a technique which exists as long as the old Joseph technique, more than 120 years. And why 
the technique of structural rhinoplasty, which is the improved uh, Jack Joseph technique, was uh, accepted almost from all uh, rhinoplasty surgeons. And why the other technique got lost, almost lost. Some people in South America did it continuously. And uh, then in Europe, Yves Sabah restarted uh, it and he was supported specifically by Roland Daniel. Why was that? Why one technique and why not the other one? Yes, why? And I had a great discussion with my successor, Sebastian, and he talked to me and said, well, and he is right, the difference is that the structural rhinoplasty can be used in each and every rhinoplasty. And this is not possible with a preservation technique. And I found a lot of statements which are wrong. The first statement which is wrong is it's an easy technique. I think it's a very difficult technique, but it is worthwhile and you have to have it in your armamentarium. I am not against this technique, but I think it's a difficult technique and as the base you should uh, be able to perform structural rhinoplasty because otherwise you will also not able to do your revisions in a proper way. So uh, second, it is not, you cannot use it in all cases. And there are some well-known surgeons who say, I use it in 80% of cases. Roland Daniel say it in 60 to 80%. But if you go to really experienced and honest people who do a lot of this technique, they say, well, maybe in 15 to 20 percent. There are no, no, no complications. Well, there are complications. Antonio Sousa de Vera said 21 percent are complications. Well, it's are not the big complications. You can treat them easily, most of them. But there are so many uh, young surgeons, uh, let's say, put on the right, on the wrong, uh, on the wrong road, because it is told, it is will, it is told to them, it's an easy technique. You can use it almost in all cases. You will have not revisions. People will be happy. No complication, and this is not true. So I am not against the the preservation technique. I think it's a useful technique and I used it and I think every rhinoplasty surgeon must be able, has to have it in his toolbox. What I don't like is the marketing, the way as it was sold, as a unique new technique which you can use in so many cases and this is not true and then you will have a lot of disasters and if you go to the people who do a lot of revisions you see that they got already these cases. The next problem you were mentioning is what means preservation? You told it already, Preser dorsal preservation, preservation else of the ligaments, so preservation is a philosophy and also the structural guys they preserve as much as they can. Nobody wants to destroy anything. And specifically in young ladies with a beautiful dorsum and a thin skin, you always are um, 
yeah, it's really you have to overcome yourself because you don't like to destroy everything and then to try to restore it. Of course, these are the cases you should use it. But if you want to do it properly, you need also the right instruments. If I saw people doing the old tech, uh, this technique with very rough instruments, rushers and things like that to do a letdown, for me it is horrible because I am a surgeon who want to do everything very precisely and detailed. And I think in this point, in the dorsal preservation, Olivier Galbo comes. He worked a lot for these piezo instruments. And in doing dorsal preservation or preservation technique, it is a must from my point of view to have this instrument because otherwise it becomes even more difficult to perform it properly. Sure. That, that, that summary of seven minutes is phenomenal. So, for another question here. Dorsal preservation versus preservation rhinoplasty is one thing I want to touch on. And the other one is a 21% complication. Would that be acceptable for you in your practice with structural rhinoplasty to say you have a 21% complication? Well, it depends what complication means. If you have to do only a minor refinement on the dorsum, I think it can happen in 20%. But on the other way, you have to realize that just in the last five years, a lot of refinements, a lot of new techniques have been developed because it was quite clear that you cannot remove a hump just by pressing down everything. So therefore, uh, I think Dean Toriumi told it right. It is not preservation or dorsal preservation is not a push down or let down. It is a stretching uh, the whole dorsum uh, to get the right configuration. And this is the important thing that you understand what preservation means. It is not just to push the hump into the, in the skeleton. It is to change everything. And this is something totally different. And of course, you, you have specific prerequisites in the quality and the shape of the septum that you are able to do that. Otherwise, you make their, you create their big problems. So do you think that perhaps this is a, a technique that you should be learning? So sure, I agree with you about the philosophy. We should always be preserving everything we do. But the actual surgical techniques, do you think it's something people should be learning a little bit later on in their career or from the start of their career? Because if something goes wrong and they don't have this, this, the structural techniques to repair it, then they're in trouble. Exactly. You are so right. I think you should start with the principles of the structural rhinoplasty. You should be able to correct the septal deformities because the problem in this uh, preservation technique is that you can correct the septum independent from the dorsum because the roof is preserved. But what happens under the roof there is a lot of options and also a lot of, of, uh, of traps where you can fall in. Therefore, I think you should start with the classical structural rhinoplasty. And if you know the anatomy and everything and you are familiar, then you should go to these difficult cases which can be solved 
perfectly only with the with the uh, preservation technique. But if you go in, look to your patients, how many dorsi are really worthwhile to get preserved? These are not so many. There are a lot of, but not so many. And I think the indications will become clearer by time. And now really great surgeons are developing uh, their techniques and in, in, a, in a combination we will be able to treat patients with this technique better than with structural, but it is not the majority of patients. So from I my point of view, everybody has, of course, different patients. If you have a, 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 a private praxis where you have only small little humps in beautiful girls, this is different to the patients I treated. So, Prof, tell me a little bit about those 30 or so um, of your own cases that you did. I was fortunate enough to actually see your lecture and, and the, what were some of the, the, the things that were good for you and some of the things that were maybe not so good for you in those operations? What was not good for me is the indication. The, the, nowadays, for example, Dean Toriumi tells us a deviated nose is the best because you can shift it easily to one side or the other side. This is this is right. But if you do that, the deviated noses, you have one side is longer than the other one. And then, of course, a letdown technique is the best. But to do a letdown technique, from my point of view, you need, it is a must to have piezo because otherwise it's too rough. And I don't like these things. I, I think you have to be precise as possible. And uh, this works best with piezo. So I had no piezo. So I did a push down in a patient who had a deviated nose, which is not the perfect thing. That was my mistake because I did not know that. Then uh, another mistake is now the, the indication they differentiate now between an S-shaped and an, an, an V-shaped dorsum. This is, of course, important because a big hump, you cannot just remove it. But it is in a V-shaped uh, dorsum, it is much easier. So the indication and a, a good analysis is a prerequisite for getting a good result with it, with this, in all these things. But the indications have not been so clear in the beginning, five years back. Yes. It changed by time when it was developed. And also the other problem of the blocking points, the big problem, and, and some people say the um, preservation technique uh, did not win because of the big number of recurrences. I think this is another point um, why the recurrences appear because we did not know anything about the blocking points and we had no, no technique to solve it. The ballerina maneuver is now a technique which solves this problem. But on the other side, uh, we destroy the junction between the cartilaginous part of the between the cartilaginous framework, which extends under the bony cap. This was a horrible mistake in the old days. You should not do that uh, because for sure you got a, an inverted V. But the, you will not get an inverted V because you bring down the whole 
cartilaginous dorsum which will be intact and therefore the the um, the upper lats don't flare or don't uh, get destroyed like when you are removing the hump but these things these things became clear only by the development of the of the uh, preservation technique you know i think we're in a very exciting time of rhinoplasty but yeah. i think coming back to what you said about the marketing it, you can see a slide now about maybe different just dorsal preservation techniques and a lot of different names that you see on the screen everyone seems to have, want to have their specific little thing that they've done and i think we've got to be cautious about that sometimes you know yeah yeah you are totally right i think uh well the marketing not all of them uh abused i i don't say used it abused it as a marketing tool but many of them and this is this is a tendency in rhinoplasty which uh this discussion is only one point you see it also in the social media a lot of uh honesty i'm i'm missing honesty and therefore everybody is showing only beautiful results but not everybody also the experience have not only um good results there are a lot of fake news about this technique and also about the whole uh the whole results in the social media and this is something in my times it didn't exist but we cannot turn back uh, the wheel but uh, we one thing i am always asking for is you should be honest you should very be open and discuss your problems and all of us has problems so prof there's two two more th items i want to chat about the one was the really in interesting phrase that you suggested should be used to describe dorsal preservation yeah i said in 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 the in the, i have the problem of the wording I think it is not preserving uh, because although the structural guys want to preserve it is an indirect hump removal and the, if you would use this word all the emotions of destroyers preservers would disappear and we would have more scientific discussions I suggested it but then it was told to it was said to me we are already in wikipedia which is not the best argument for that <laughs> and much i tell the listeners that when when we were sitting in the conference and we the prof said you should have this as an indirect approach to the dorsum everything just froze on his screen so we were wondering if he was being hacked but anyway prof the last thing i wanted to ask you about <clears throat> you've just come off the stuttgart course which is one of the most possibly the most established rhinoplasty course in Europe. For the listeners who who are around the world, why should they be attending the Stuttgart course and how is the Stuttgart course trying to wrestle with this concept of preservation rhinoplasty? Well, you are you will be wondering, I did a life surgery with dorsal preservation technique during the course. I did it. The people were very wondering because they thought he will never accept this. Of course, there are indications and they do that. Well, the 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 Stuttgart course 
is a course which is based on live surgery. Live surgery nowadays is tricky and in the old days I had invited famous surgeons from everywhere also to take part in the course but then I stopped because it is not so easy for them to operate in a foreign surrounding and so and there are of course there are also revisions you have to do and then you have problems with the patients and so and that was the same problem with the Bergamo course in the beginning the Bergamo course had also live surgery from uh, from famous surgeons from all over the world but Enrico stopped it well and I changed then the philosophy of the course and said we will present only the Stuttgart school so there, uh, we created a Stuttgart school, which is a school which is proved, but is not, of course, not the only way to get good results. And uh, therefore, but the prerequisite is that you must have several surgeons. And I had this, this was Helmut Fischer, that was Sebastian Hacke, that was myself. So we could do, and we did usually eight live surgeries during two days. Then uh, we had to change now. This we did for a long time. We showed every year the results from the last year. And so that was really a good time. And uh, the people have not been confused. You see, I felt, I feel that it is confusing for the participants if five different schools are invited, then you mm -hmm. hear six different mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. And what is the idea for me which works? In the end, the participants don't know. They are confused and I want to avoid this confusion. Therefore, we did only the uh, Stuttgart School, which included also preservation. Sebastian is doing, I did it. and um, But when I retired uh, last year, just now, one year back, and I said, I will not uh, do live surgery in this course anymore. I will moderate the things because I think moderation is as important as the oh, surgery. Yes. And um, they stood this time, uh, Sebastian operated two cases. They were so strange, so difficult. I, I have never seen similar cases on any live surgery in the world. And I did it perfectly. It was really great. Well, but we invited then some other people who are more specialized on preservation technique. We have no problem with that and we can discuss this. So we changed the whole uh, system of the Stuttgart course because we stopped now that exclusively Stuttgart guys are uh, performing surgeries. We invite also guests and I think this worked quite nicely. Sure. Guys, it's it's. Um, I'm 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 going to call call the podcast now. I think these 22 minutes we've been listening is, is exceptional. I, I think I'd really like the takeaway message to be is think carefully about all these different techniques. Learn to master one technique. You don't want to be jack of all trades, master of none. So choose with an open mind, looking around, but. Don't just get drawn in by the latest fads necessarily. Um, you know, I like using the phrases, eat the meat and spit out the bones. And I mean, here we can hear Prof, who has been in this thing for more than 40 years, is adaptable, very wisely 
taking it apart and seeing how can it work, how can it not work. So, yeah, a massive shout out to Carl Stortz. Thanks for, for supporting. Thanks for all the listeners. Prof, can I give you a last word of, of, to, to, to share with the listeners? Well, uh, we are really in challenging times. And um, rhinoplasty is an increasing field. And it is also a difficult field because money plays an immense role. Therefore, there there was for a long time a horrible competition between the ENT, the facial plastics, the plastics, the MaxFax. But now I think we uh, reached a a, a situation where we are uh, cooperating there is not. We don't see the competition. We cooperate, and this you can see in so many meetings. That was also in Brussels. This is also in Stuttgart. This is also in the Sorsa meeting. Now the ISAPS meeting had invited Hossam, who is from a facial plastic surgeon. So I think this is really great that we have not these uh, animosities anymore. That we are working together, but we should. We should accept the others, the other ideas, and uh, discuss it scientifically, and not abuse any fashion or technique as a marketing tool. That's, that's beautiful, Prof. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, to the listeners, come back again next week for another lovely episode on the Rhinoplasty Podcast. It was my pleasure. Greetings to South Africa. 